Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned into the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and a super exciting special guest. I'm talking mega producer from Sarasota, Florida, by way of Green Bay. When I say mega producer, I'm talking $100 million plus in production on an annual basis. She is a accredited mortgage professional. She is a CMB. She is a certified mortgage planning specialist. She is a mom. She is a Nona. She is a wife. And she is a badass in the mortgage industry. All the way from Atlanta Mortgage, Yvette Claremont. Yvette, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the Loan Officer Podcast. Thank you so much, Dustin. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, um, I'm super stoked for like many reasons. The first reason it's you. And I have a really funny story about you that I haven't told you yet. Okay. okay. So um, you moved down to Florida 10 years ago from Wisconsin, right? So you've been in the mortgage industry for 25 years. I read your bio. And um, 10 years ago, you left Green Bay, Wisconsin, super cold, great football team, but still super cold to go down to, I think your branch is in Bradenton. Right. Not many people know what Bradenton is, but you may know where Sarasota is. So I kind of used Sarasota. And um, you and I were going to the same conference. You're heavily involved in the Mortgage Bankers Association. I am almost as heavily involved, not quite there yet. Um, and we're, we're gonna talk about your involvement in the NBA in a little bit, but we're, I was gonna attend a, a conference and I'm going through the agenda and I see, oh, this lady Yvette Claremont with Atlanta Mortgage, who's a CMB is gonna be speaking. And I was like, huh, I wonder who she is. So then start doing a little research and I saw your production and then my jaw dropped. Then all of a sudden I'm like, okay, I'm a little intimidated. Like I was at first, like, ah, I don't know if I want to go see that speaker. Then I researched you. I'm like, oh, I have to go see that speaker. Then I saw you at an event. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can approach her. And then recently, by recently, like last year, I was voluntold to be a part of the NBA state board again. Like I've done it in the past. I'm a, I'm a director now. You're the vice president, correct? Correct. Vice president of the, is it NBA of Florida or is it the Florida NBA? NBA of Florida. NBA of Florida. Okay. So then, super long story short, I get to know you. I'm like, oh my God, this is like one of the most genuine, approachable people in the industry. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Like, I'm grateful because, in full disclosure, I was intimidated. Like, six years ago, when I saw your name and you were speaking on a panel and I researched your production, and then I get to know you. I'm like, okay. So then I just had to convince you to come and hang out with me for like 45 minutes okay. so we could do a show together. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank so yeah, so uh, gratitude on behalf of me, on John Coleman, but also our listeners, because like our listeners, and we love this about them, they'll tune in on our YouTube channel and they'll comment. And if they don't tune in on YouTube, they're probably on like Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, really anywhere you find podcasts, and they'll hit us up on LinkedIn or they'll go on one of our social media pages and like, hey, we need more top producers. Hey, you need more women. Hey, we need this. Hey, we need this. So you were someone that I'm like, oh my gosh, Yvette will really check so many boxes that our listeners are, are looking for. So let's sit down and let's get to know Yvette Claremont. Sure. All right. Absolutely. Anything off the table? No. Wide open. Wide open. Wide open. Perfect. I mean, keeping it professional, Correct. obviously. <laughs> obviously, we'll keep it professional. Um, anything in particular you want to make sure that we do talk about? Like any particular um, uh, subjects that you're an advocate on behalf that or potential organizations you want to make sure we plug so that we can make sure we do that. Absolutely. I mean, the, the MBA has made such an enormous impact in my career and, and really just my personal life being involved in the MBA. So um, I want to make sure that I get out there how important it is to stay involved in your industry. This is this is our our voice and we need to make sure that we keep it out there and that People understand it's it's actually pretty cool to be involved. Well, you were speaking my language, yes. sister. Like JC and I actually did an episode from the state MBA conference this year solely so we could like put a spotlight on being a part of your organization. Like I look at the mortgage industry and really most industries, right? Because we have non-mortgage professionals who tune in. And I'm like, look, it's not a job, it's your career. And if it's your, your career, you should be involved in all aspects and probably advocate on behalf of your career the best way to do that is to get involved in your trade organizations. You have done that and it's worked wonders in your career. I have done so and I've gained a, a, a just tremendous value from it. Yes. All right. So here's what I want to do. We're going to talk about your career, right? Okay. You got in the industry in 1997. Yes. And I want to talk about what you, what you did prior to. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about what you accomplished. 
And then what have you learned along the way? What are some things that you wish you figured out earlier in life that maybe you have um, passed on to one of your five children, yes. right? And that you're maybe gonna turn turn over to one of your three or four grandchildren? Four. One of your four grandchildren as they get old enough. Um, some of those career advice, or it's like everything you should have learned in high school, but didn't. Right. And then um, how? How did you go from a rookie Mm-hmm. with no experience to what was last year's numbers 120 million yes how many units was that 507 507 and how big is your team um i have a total of five of us including yourself mm-hmm. so you guys you girls mm-hmm. you girls average yep. 100 units per team member right that is through the roof That's through the roof I mean, these coaching companies are coaching people that it should be 60 to 72 Right. Per team member. And you're like, nah, we're almost at 10, 10 well, units per team member. We're all a little tired. We might yeah. need a nap. <laughs> um, how did, how's 2021 going to compare to 2022? It'll be very similar. Wow. Yeah. High five. Thanks. High five. Thanks. That is awesome. Okay. So how did, how did you find your way into the mortgage industry? Did you like go to high school and enter into college? You're like, I'm going to be a mortgage banker. I thought I was going to be an MTV VJ. Actually. Did you really? I really wanted to be the next Martha Quinn. Oh, I could see that. I really did. And uh, that's honestly what I thought I would do. I loved um, I love music. I love the, the idea of the industry, of the music business. But what when I kind of got into it and started looking at it and studying it, I realized I liked the numbers, like putting together a deal. I liked, you know, seeing how... Um, you know how you could take a a P and L and run it through to make sure that it was profitable. And I thought this is I kind of just like the math, which is funny because in high school, hated math. Yes, I thought I did because, and that's a life lesson is that I thought I didn't like math because I think oftentimes you're told you don't like math. Nobody likes math, especially females don't like math. So I thought I didn't, and then I realized I'm really good at it. I can see it's like a puzzle to me. I can just see the answer um, really easily. And I and I enjoyed that part of it. So I got into, I, I um, well, I was selling wine at the time because I needed to do something. So was that, like, that was your first like real job? My first. But besides the. Yep, while in school, yep. Out of curiosity, what did what did you do to try to become a uh, the next MTV VJ? Like, did, were you interning at radio stations or were I, you? I was, and we had a radio station in our high school. And it's funny because if, uh, I'll have to send it to you, but I have, um, you know, all these instructions on what to do to get free backstage passes and tickets to the concert and all these CD or cassettes at the yeah. time. Um, now I'm going to date myself. But I would get them from all these record labels. And I remember when I was in high school, I would kept calling them because I wanted them to, for our, our you know, little high school radio mm-hmm. station that we had. So I interviewed a couple of different bands. It was really fun. It was pretty I cool. Bet. I met Cheap Trick and the Bullet Boys and all these cool bands back then. And um, I remember getting a hold of someone at Electra Records, and they finally sent – I got him on the phone, and he's like, if I give you a dozen cassettes, will you stop calling? <laughs> I'm like, yes, please, could you include some backstage passes, please? Yeah. So it's because I would auction them off on the radio – at our high school radio station. I think I was 16. So you were the VJ? I was a VJ. Oh, with mm-hmm. with with that radio voice. Yeah. yeah yes, loved it. and well, a Midwestern, you know, the, oh, the Midwestern, <laughs> the Midwestern voice. Like most sports announcers, like where they're from, they're from the Midwest. Yes. So there you go, the Midwestern girl mm-hmm. on on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. But you found out that although it was fun to be on headphones and mic, it was more fun to figure out how to make money doing so. Yeah, because they kept saying, you know, you got to come to like Vegas or L.A., and I'm like, I don't know. I've kind of seen that video before. The girl mm-hmm. gets off a bus in L.A. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think that's going to be me. So I decided to go to school, you know, to go to study math and numbers. And then I got a job but with a high interest second mortgage lender. And I really liked mortgage. And then I, it kind of went from there. Then I applied with a bank at that time. It was Norwest, which got bought out by Wells years and years ago. Um, and I started with them, not knowing what I was doing. I had my pen, my paper, and out but, the door I went. So what came first, selling wine door to door? Yes. Or yes. or the 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 subprime second mortgage company? The wine was first, okay. and I learned a lot about people. Because um, you sold wine door to door, and we don't we don't need to go down this rabbit hole because yeah. I'm sure it would be like super fun. Yeah. Um, but it also take up all the time we have allotted for today. Yes. But you sold wine door to door for a year. Yes. 
to I'm assuming affluent people, upper middle class. Yep, yep exactly, okay. exactly. What did what did that experience teach you? It taught me how to be confident in talking to anyone. That it didn't matter what their background was. That everyone's pretty much the same. People like good wine. Whether you are coming from an affluent family or you're someone who's not really sure, you still just want to learn and you want to enjoy time with your family and have a good glass of wine. Were you a wine connoisseur before that? Like not at 21, really. 22? No. Yeah, so you're probably still drinking box wine. I was definitely <laughs> drinking box wine. I was drinking Boone's Farm. You were probably a step above that, but it was still out of a box. <laughs> it was, yes, but, definitely. But did you become a wine connoisseur because of that Yes. Job? So are you, you, you're into wine now? I'm into wine now. Red or white? It, it depends. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you on, yeah. truly like, truly. like you have your Riesling for your dessert wine and you have your white if it's with this. You got it. White with fish, red with steak. Yes. Right? Okay. But I, I, truly, I think you just drink what you like to drink. Okay. Yes. Very cool. So first job in the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. This is your first step towards your career in the right. mortgage industry. It was with a company who's now not around, but right. for the most part, Wells Fargo um, absorbed them. Correct. You're a rookie loan officer and you were yes. how old? 23. 23. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm sure they just provided you a ton of leads and said, here you go, sister, start making phone calls. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no leads. So, so walk us through that training. You know, I had a really good mentor. Okay. Um, who, who saw something in me, which um, I, I feel very blessed and lucky for. And um, so he hired me with you know, just my experience of doing second mortgages with a high interest lender at the, at that time, I did that for about a year. And, cool. um, so I'm going to pause you right there. Sure. Cause that's really cool. So out of school, when yes. you realized you weren't going to be the, the next Martha Quinn, right? You sold door to door wine. Yes. Okay. You had a year sales experience, right? That's it. You then parlayed that into a position in the mortgage industry esque, like a right. sales job, mm -hmm. but you weren't the type of MLO that you are today. Correct. You weren't the type of MLO that we coach and preach on this show, but you were at least working in finance and you yeah. were helping people probably do some debt consolidation by utilizing their equity, exactly. but you were selling high interest second mortgages. Right. But it was my entry into the finance, uh, in a world that I didn't have any experience in yet. So I had to dip my toes in. Yes. So that's where I did. Yes. Someone was willing to give you a chance. Right. It might've not been your forever career opportunity, but it was the best opportunity you had afforded to you that mm -hmm. would let you get to where you want to go. Exactly. I think that's paramount for anyone to know, especially the younger professionals who are tuning in. Like you're not necessarily going to find your forever job out of the gate. Right. You may have to take a job selling something door to door mm -hmm. just to get sales experience. Agreed. Uh, we've had a guest on his name is Rob Farragher, and that was advice Rob Farragher got early on at a college. He had to go sell timeshare. Right. He sold timeshare for Marriott for three years. He knew that's not what he wanted to do for a career. Mm -hmm. You know, today he's one of the top financial advisors in the 401k industry. Sure. But he couldn't get that opportunity right. to break in without sales experience. Well, and you learn, um, you know, just time management. You learn organizational skills. You learn, um, you know, what it means to drive from this part of the city to this part of the city, how much time you need, what you need to allocate. I mean, there's so many pieces to the to sales that you learn in those early jobs that I've taken with me throughout my entire career. So that that's building your basement. I, I built my basement. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't have basements in Florida, I but the know. rest See, of the I'm country from, does. From the north. It's yes. all right. I mean, we're just this one small your state. Your yes, foundation. your foundation. Yes. All right. So you're at Wells. Mm -hmm. It's your third professional opportunity, first your third professional career choice. Correct. And you found a mentor, something we talk about all the time. It's imperative. So important. Someone who saw something in you and believed in you. Mm -hmm. And then what did what did the next 12 or 24 months look like for you as you started launching your career? I had the 4155, which is the FHA manual at that time. And I had the uh, conventional loan standards manual printed and I read them cover to cover. That's thousands of pages. I mean, they're like this thick. Yeah. You killed three trees doing I that. I did. Yeah, I did. But it, it to me, knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. It gave me confidence. So when someone asked me a question, I, I, I could answer it mm -hmm. because I knew where, you know, I, I learned research very, very early on that that was so important in mortgage. You have to be a really good paralegal. Yes. <laughs> you do. You have to be really good at research. And, you know, that was something my mentor taught me, you know, as well. You know, he pretty much just handed me the books and said, here, this is this is the best way to start is know, know what know your product, 
know what you've got in front of you so you can learn how to, uh, you know, to help your, your clients. And, um, and at that point, I was in a bank situation, so I did sit inside of a bank. We didn't have a, a separate mortgage department. We actually had our own, I had my own little office inside the bank. And I got to know the personal banker really well, and I learned how you reciprocate referrals and um, learned that mortgage is all-encompassing part of your financial plan. So it was very easy, um, you know, to grow that, you know, it's like putting out breadcrumbs. You know, you just put them out, and eventually the business comes. But you, I did it in a way that I was, I was very, um, uh, I was very direct in my plan with what I wanted. I wanted to grow it, but I did know that it wasn't going to come immediate. It wasn't going. I, I thought it wouldn't come really quickly. In my case, it did. But I, I, I think it was just, uh, you know, I had a lot of tenacity, and I really liked to talk. So okay. it was really easy to find people to just say, hey, you know, let's have a conversation about your finances. And they people like to talk about it. Okay, so what um, what type of lead generation were you doing? Obviously, you, you had the benefit of working for a bank, yep. which I'll tell anyone who's willing to listen, that's a good starting ground for a lot of people. It was, great. It was and, good for me. And you and I both know people who've been doing it for 20, 30 years. They made a career out of it. Right. Some of us may start there, but then realize, hey, you know what? There may be better once I've developed my following. Mm-hmm. So you leveraged what you had, which okay. was you had an opportunity to make relationships with private bankers. Mm-hmm. But those private bankers have other loan officers they can refer. Right. They don't have to refer you. You made sure that they did right. by providing value to them. Did you also go out and, and start immediately developing relationships with realtors and builders? Yes. Okay. Um, and, and I did that. Now, you know, I know there's there's different schools of thought on this, but at that time, I, you know, I always attended my closings. I was always there for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted to make sure that I was gaining that strong relationship with my clients, but also usually the, you know, certainly the selling agent was there, but some, many times the listing agent was there. At least that's how it was mm-hmm. when I first got started. So being able to have a conversation with them and say, look how smoothly this went, you know, who do you know next that is thinking about buying a home that you could feel um, comfortable sending to me and I'll take good care of them for you. And just having that conversation really honestly was asking for the business. It's funny that we, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you know, I go to all these events and I don't get business or I go and I talk to agents and I bring them donuts or I do this and I never believed in that. But uh, did you ask? Who do you know next that is just like this buyer that wants to also buy a home that you can refer to me? It's very simple language that you have to get really comfortable with. And I always looked at it like I have a unique service offering that no one else can offer except me. If I believe that, it's then then I, and I can teach that and, and explain that to someone else, then they're going to feel like, oh, wow, she really does know what she's talking about. I love that. We said that again about your unique, you have a unique would you repeat that? Unique service offering. That? That only you, I can offer. That only you can offer. Mm-hmm. How true is that for all of us? Right. There's only one of us. There's only one. There's only one event. There's only one deal. There's only one exactly. John Coleman. Yes. Yeah. So no one else can offer it no. the exact way that I do. So you're telling the truth. You're telling the whole truth. Yes. Just by using those words. I have a unique service offering that only I can offer. Yes, there's products that we all can offer. Yes. But the delivery of that product is what makes you different. So it's ask for the business. That's so, probably my best advice. <laughs> in, in all facets of life. Yes. And um, funny story is, so we're going to be in Charleston next week for all of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And we have this 18-month-old dog that we love. Like our kids make fun of us. Like you love the dog more than you love us. I'm like, well, the dog listens and you don't. So maybe there's some truth behind that sure. one. But um, we didn't want to kennel him for like the whole week. We're just so like we're those types of dog parents. And I was saying to uh, my buddy Murph here in the office, I'm like, oh, you know, do you need dog sitters? And, you know, I could reach out to my buddy, Doug. And he's like, Dio, what, you you coach us on this. You coach us. If you don't ask, what's the answer? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. He's like, so ask Doug. If Doug says no, it was a no before you asked. So sure enough, I texted Doug. He's like, dude, I'd love to watch your dog. He's never met my dog, but he'd love to watch him. Mm-hmm. And then just yesterday, I was on the phone with my beloved College of Business at UCF, my beloved Knights. And um, super long story short, they'd offer my wife and I two tickets to uh, a game coming up. Well, my daughter was super jealous when she found out where our tickets were. And she wanted the same ticket. So I was on the phone with them. I'm like, you know what? Let me ask. The game's 10 days away. I'm like, my daughter and son are really jealous that that Michelle and I get to sit there. Any chance you have two extra tickets? Guess what they said? Yes. Yes. (laughs) 
Right. Yes, I asked for the business. Mm -hmm. Now, it wasn't a lead and it wasn't a, a referral, but yeah. it's still the same concept. Mm -hmm. And it worked back in 1997, just like right. it would work in 2022 and beyond. Same way. So 1997, that was the year, right? Yep. You entered into the mortgage industry. Mm -hmm. um, rookie of the year. Yes. Units of volume-ish. If you can remember, volume I'm expecting is going to be super low because it was 1997. Yeah, right, right, and right. you were in like Green Bay, Appleton, yeah. Oshkosh. But I was probably somewhere in the... 12 to 15 million range. I mean, it was a decent amount. That's still over 100 a units, yeah, right? Yeah, a lot. You did 100 yeah. units your first year. Yeah, I think it was that. That's awesome. It was. And now it's just you being you. Yep. You being you, you right. being unique. Just being unique. Yep, just just being unique, mm -hmm. but you were still slinging FHA loans, conventional loans, 30-year yeah. fixed mortgages. Right. That was not unique. No. No. I didn't even really know what I, you know, I, I didn't know how we got paid. I didn't really completely understand it. Like somebody showed me once the rate sheet and like, you know, and there were percentage and bips and stuff that came yeah. out of it and all the stuff that I'm like, I don't know. I just want to help people buy houses. So it, I honestly didn't really understand all of that. That first year I was just blind to it because I was just so focused on how do I, how do I help the next person? And I also looked at, honestly, I always looked at it like, how do I help the next person? Cause I kept seeing that if I kept helping people, then they were helping me. And it was just all coming back. I take care of people, they take care of me. And I've always held that as uh, you know how I looked at and approached the business as if I help enough people, then enough people will help me. Was it that simplified for you back then? You just yes. woke up every morning, you put on your uniform, you went to work and said, I need to help people today. Yeah. And if you didn't help people to help, you went and found them. Right. You'd figure out a way to go find them. Figure it out. Yep. Now, was that as, I mean, were you walking into real estate offices? Were you walking into new construction I communities? I really worked a lot with my current client base at that point. Okay. I mean, I certainly was. I was definitely working with the agents. Anytime I had a new agent or, or uh, someone that I hadn't met before, I, I reached out to, you know, just talk with them. Sometimes it was for coffee. Sometimes it was just, let me just explain what we do and what products we offer and yada, yada. But again, and then ask for the business mm -hmm. um, at that point. And then I kept in touch with them. Database, database, database. Um, to keep in touch with them. But I really had a very strong relationship with my clients and I would ask them for the business. So whenever, um, you know, I would, you know, throughout the process of a loan, I asked them three separate times for a referral. Who do you know next that's just like you that wants to buy a home? Who do you know next that's just like you that's thinking about refinancing? Who do you know next that's just like you that wants to build a home? You know, there's reticular activators is the terminology. Mm -hmm. And when you're in the middle of, just like when you buy, you know, and I bought my Honda Accord, I saw Honda Accords everywhere because that's a reticular activator. It's on your brain. So if they're building a home, they're going to run into other people that are building a home. If they're buying a home, they are, there's other people at work or wherever that's also buying a home. So ask them, who is that person? We're out of curiosity, did you ever um, participate or join Joe Stumps yes. by referral only? I love Joe. Okay. I love Joe. I still follow him today. So is is by referral only still around? Yes, in a way. He has it. It's it's changed from what it was back in the day, which I totally miss. Joe, if you're out there, please do another main event. I miss it. Um, but it's a um, but it definitely gave me a very strong base in how I how I approach business, which. Um, yeah, he's he's a phenomenal, phenomenal coach. Okay, so will you spell stump for me? S T U M P F. S T U M P F. Joe Stump. Ladies and gentlemen, look look that up. Yes. Um I pimp out a lot of things on the show, things that I believe in. Mm -hmm. Right? I pimp out Xenix. Um so good. I pimp out Renee Rodriguez, Dave Savage and Mortgage Coach, Barry Habib and MBS Highway. And if not Barry, then check out Dan Rowage with with Rate Watch. Like Perfect. there there are all of these fantastic um, resources. Right. Some you have to pay for, but it's a nominal fee. Mm -hmm. It'll make you a better professional. I have never talked about Joe Stumpf and by referral only. Mm -hmm. I've talked about the core and what l minimal people know about the core mm -hmm. is that Rick Ruby, the founder of the core started yeah, with Joe, with Joe mm -hmm. at by referral only. That's right. Right. So there's a lineage. It's kind of like the Bill Belichick coaching tree. It really is. And it starts with, with Joe Stumpf. So check that out because if I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, she must be buy referral only. She <laughs> yeah. and you, I think you have to be a little bit OG to, to understand what buy referral only. But mm -hmm. yes, it basically it's like, how do you turn one lead into five? Right. You how do you create clients for life? All right. the things that we talk about, it it originated there. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming 25 years later, you and your team still follow those principles. Absolutely. That'd be my assumption. Yep. All right. Absolutely. So so looking back, is there anything that you wish you knew? or understood better at 23, 24, mm -hmm. 
that if you could go back in time, you're like, oh my goodness, I could cut cut off years of of learning. Of pain. Yeah, of pain. You know, I think that the the journey is, you know, for for me has been really wonderful. You know, I I think that there's been some pains, you know, I, I lived through the crash. I mean, that was tough. Mm -hmm. Those were, it was dark. And, and it's funny because now I speak with people now and they're like, oh yeah, I was in the mortgage business back then. And you're like, and no, I, you weren't. <laughs> I, well, you weren't if you're out because, yes. you know, you, you really weren't all the way in it. You weren't invested in it. And I was so invested in it and I wanted to make it better and I wanted to make the industry better. And, um, you know, so there's things that have come up throughout the years that I wish I didn't have to have gone through but you know but all of them are the you know the collective experiences that have made me who I am today I would probably say as you're as I've grown and as my team has expanded it would have been nice to have you know to know um, a little bit more about how you can really manage a team while you're still a producer that's tough man for for those of you out there that are managing a team and, and a high producer you know, I give you props because it is it's a tough thing because you have to quickly put on your hat of being a manager and then to put your, on your hat of being a salesperson and then also now your HR and now it, it's a lot of uh, moving parts and I, I feel like I'm you know I've got plates spinning off of my nose some days but how could you learn from it I think experience teaches you that but if I could say what I could go back and learn is maybe had some other coaches that could have helped me through that process just to make it a little bit easier with adding the right people at the right time and not always, um, uh, you know, not always feeling like, okay, now I have to get somewhere right now. This one looks good. Let's get this person in because yeah. that doesn't always work. No. And that's, um, that is unfortunate for many people in, and you, you manage your, a mega team. Mm -hmm. um, there's people who maybe don't produce at your level, but then they have five or six loan officers right. that all produce. They have to manage them. And, very few of us went to school no. for management, management. but more importantly, just because you go to school for something, you honestly don't know anything no, about I still it. Need the you need two or three years experience. Yeah. Um, you know, you have uh, oh my gosh, who's the uh, curly hair author that I'm absolutely in love with right now? Uh, who wrote um, five or six bestsellers? He was just a speaker out of the NBA conference. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, Malcolm. right? Malcolm Gladwell yes. does research and talks about you know ten thousand hours. But like we as mortgage professionals, what do we do when we're growing a team to become good managers? What books are we reading? Are we picking up a Peter Drucker book? Or are we picking up a, a John Maxwell book to learn about how to become better managers, better leaders? Right. Are we attending conferences? Do we have a coach? What, um, over your past 25 years, how often have you been coached? Are you currently coached? Yes. You're currently I think coached. you always should have a coach. I think in a lot of ways, a coach is kind of like your, your mental therapist in a lot of ways. Because sometimes, you know, when I'm, you know, I've had different coaches throughout the years. Certainly, I, I, you know, worked with by referral only and they're coaching for a very, very long time. Um, but I've had individual coaches. Some are just business coaches. I've had some mortgage coaches. But um, um, regard, whoever you choose, just have a coach. It doesn't matter. You know, you need someone there that's kind of that person on your shoulder to help you with your goals or to say, well, no, hold on a minute. Last time we met, you said this was your goal, but now you're saying that you want to go this route, which is completely opposite of what you said last week. Because sometimes we think we know what path we want to go down and we start to go down it and then we realize, mm, no, that wasn't it. And that's okay. Having a coach there to help you say, okay, let's rewind this. We don't want to go down that way. That's fine. You thought you did. We set a structure up for that, but that's not what you want. That's okay. You, you need that person. So I think that uh, invest in yourself and hire a coach, hire a coach. And also your coach can change from time to time. I don't, you know, I've changed coaches probably, oh gosh, at least, you know, 10 times over 25 years. You know, it's just, you know, I've had different coaches for different things. So don't be afraid of that either. If you're stuck with one coach and you feel like you're not moving forward, then it's okay to find somebody else that maybe can help you with a different level of where, where you want to improve. Yeah, a term that I love is academic inbreeding. If you have the same coach consistently over mm -hmm. and over and over again, mm -hmm. it's academic inbreeding. If right. you go to the same uh, higher learning institution for your undergrad, your master's, and your doctorate, it's academic inbreeding. Yeah. You, you need a difference of thought. Correct. You need different perspectives. And I love coaches because, A, sometimes a coach can share the most simple concept mm -hmm. that I'm like, how did I not know that? And a lot of times they might have just swiped it and adapted it from another person across the country that they coach. Mm -hmm. But it, it, it correlates to what I'm doing and it's going to help me. And sometimes it's – they. It's my BS meter. Right. Like they're going to call BS on yes. me. 
and be like, hey, you know, give me the kick in the pants that I need. And that's what I'm paying for. Right. Uh, for, with a coach. So I, I haven't met a top producer, let alone a mega producer such as yourself. And by the way, I, I coined that today. I figured I've had a lot of top producers on the show, mm. but a mega producer is someone who does over hundred million. Yes. Right. So you're a mega producer. Uh, in January, I think I'm gonna try to sit down with five mega producers and do like five questions with five megas over 45 minutes. Like give everyone their nine minutes and crank it through. Cool. So like, this is really cool that we get to learn from you and hear, and hear more about your journey. I have a couple more questions as it mm -hmm. pertains to mortgage side of things. Sure. Then I do want to talk about something we're both passionate about, and that's being involved in your industry. Mm -hmm. um, and then maybe give you an opportunity to, to give just some motherly advice. You know, I, I really look at what we do for a living. And Dave Savage actually helped me put a, a, a firmer grasp on this concept. Like what we do is so impactful to the betterment of our society as loan officers. Right. Right. Like we get to talk to all people. Financial advisors only talk to wealthy people. At the end of the day, if you don't have $100,000 in assets, they probably don't want to talk to you. Right. We talk to if you have $5,000 in assets. Right. So we have the most opportunity to give impact. Um, so I, I like to look towards my loan officer friends to say, hey, what do you wish was taught to you in high school? What do you wish was being talked about at your dinner table? Mm -hmm. That because of this industry and because of not having it, you made sure that it was talked about at your dinner table, right. right? With one of your five children, okay? But we'll maybe end with that one. Sure. But what I what I do want to ask of you, um, any particular turning points in your twenty five year mortgage career? Like you did hundred units your first year, that's like amazing, and that's that's top one percent. Mm -hmm. Your hundred and twenty plus million dollars last year and this year puts you in the top 05 percent of the industry. So obviously, you came out of the gates a very special professional with a lot of drive and focus, mm -hmm. and you were really good at what you did. But you didn't come out of the gates doing 120 million. No. Were there a couple turning points or was it truly a, I grew by 10 to 30% every single year, and just due to that compounding effect, I was able to, to achieve where I, what I did last year and this year? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's certainly a lot of it has been organic because of the way that I've grown it. Because I, um, I have continued to leverage the people in my life that that have allowed me to assist them with their with their financing or become a referral partner, and I've grown that those relationships, um, and I've continued to ask for business. So the more people you ask for business, the more you get. So yes, I would say organically it's grown up just because of that alone, but I think that um, you know as I was really um, you know over the past. I would say 15 years, I've been more strategic of, okay, when I get to, to this level, now I really do need another person. Um, and as I've added you know, each additional uh, member of my team, that has helped me grow that. Um, you know, I, I think that I've spoken with a lot of people over the years who are terrified to hire a person. One, they don't want to have to let them go if it doesn't work out. So they feel this fear. And I'm like, you just have to take the leap. Mm -hmm. You have to believe in yourself and believe that you're, you are choosing that right person to help you, you know, take it to the next level. Or maybe just give yourself less hours that you're, you know, if you want, you have to determine what your goal is. Do you want less hours or do you want more volume? And, and that is a difficult, you know, conversation to have in your own head. Because we all, as, as uh, you know, loan officers want to have, we think we want more volume, we want more volume. Well, now I'm at a part where, point where I'm like, I kind of would like more time. Yes. <laughs> so, that, yes. so my next hire will be for that. But uh, yeah, I think that that has, that's definitely helped is adding those people, you know, just strategically at the right times to, to grow that volume. Yes. Yeah, so, so you were able to do 100 units on your own. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, if I'm going to get to 200, I can't do it on my own. Correct. I need to hire. Right. Then you got to 200 on your own. Like, well, I can't get to 300 right. on, with the team I have. We right. need to hire one more. Right. And every time you made that hire, you weren't afraid no. of it not working out. No. You were confident in yourself that, hey, look, I know what it takes. I will train this person. I'll hold them accountable. And I'll go out and make the couple extra sales calls right. so that it does pay for itself. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't, at a minimum, if I can get my work hours from 10 a day down to 8 a day, mm -hmm. then I'm getting something in return, which is I'm getting better quality of life. Right. Speaking of quality of life, I think this is really cool. What do you do in the summer? What are your summer plans, Yvette? Uh, well, I'm planning. Uh, we have a trip where we spend a month in uh, uh, Budapest. A month mm -hmm. in Budapest. Mm -hmm. While also working, or are you gonna yes. take some time off? I'll take some time off, but, but you'll uh, take yeah. you'll yeah. take your computer 
Yes. All five of your monitors, <laughs> your yes. HP 12C, right. like yep. you're going to take your phone. Yep. Everything's going to go with you. Yes. But you and your husband are going to stay, live mm-hmm. in Budapest for a month. Yeah, we, we had done that before. I did that in 2019 um, and uh, spent a month in Croatia and worked very, very well from there and actually had a, in a, a pretty big monster month that month. Um, and it worked out well. The hour, the time zone difference really makes it nice yeah. because, uh, uh, but yes, you can do it. You can so, do it. So I don't know this person personally. I really, really, really want to interview her one day for the podcast. I follow her on social. Mm-hmm. I think I met her once at a conference, maybe like a core event years and years ago. Mm-hmm. But there's a, um, a professional who's out of like Reno, Nevada. Her name is Shayla Gifford. Oh, yeah. And Shayla's a monster. She's if you're monster. a mega, she's, she's a monster. monster producer. Yeah, she is. And just a really awesome person, it seems mm-hmm. like. And she and her family have been like living in Spain. Yeah. Like just, hey, peace out. Right. Peace out, we're going to Spain. I think they came back and then Instagram has her living somewhere else overseas. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how cool is that? How cool that this industry allows allows you to do that. There's a younger professional. Now she operates out of like Denver, Mm -hmm. Um, but she's only been in the business for like two years. She's doing 30 million a year. And I don't think she's been to Denver in the past year. Shout out to Danielle. Uh, Danielle's a listener. And I've connected with her through the show, and she has figured out a way that she is traveling South America with a group, but yet still originating at a very high level. I would have never thought this to be possible five years ago, Mm -hmm. yet you and Danielle and and Shayla are like, nah, you can do this. You just have to be a really strong communicator and have and uh, really uh, strict with your schedule and um, and make sure that you're honest with people of, of what, you know, what kind of time you can give them. It does work. You just have a plan for it. Now, anyone tuning in, I do not suggest or advise this until you've been in the business for two years. I oh, think it's imperative yeah, yeah. that you're going into the office, especially when you're a rookie and you haven't printed out the the 4000.1 or the Fannie Mae selling guide. You haven't read them back, back and forth. By the way, um, Dawn Hoffman, who we had on the show like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. that's how she learned the VA handbook. Yeah. Or the, she, she learned right. VA by printing out the VA handbook and said it took her three weeks, but she read it. There's something uh, that helps you being tactile, holding that paper, turning the page, scribbling on it, highlighting it. That, that uh, it works well for me to learn. I'm a better learner that way with paper. Yeah. So that you're now the second top producer in the past month mm-hmm. who has said just that. So wink, wink, yeah. nod, nod to our younger professionals. By younger, I mean you're younger in your career, not yep. necessarily younger no, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is something that on your own, on top of making sales calls, to builders and realtors and potential referral sources. Because I do want people to know, you don't buy leads. No, never you, have. You, you don't work in a call center. Do not. Yeah, so your $120 million is done at the 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 highest level, the cream of the crop level, the, the creme de la creme level. Um, it's the level that, you know, you start looking at comp plans, you start looking at volume, and if you're at all fourth grade decent at math, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a hell of a living for someone to make. Yeah, it is. Right? Like how I would imagine never once in your 20s that you think, yeah, I'm going to achieve that type of financial success. No. No. I'm going to be able to afford this type of life for my family, leave a legacy for the little ones who call you Nona. 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 Yeah. (laughs) Which, by the way, it's Italian for grandmother, right? Yes, it is. I know that because my cousin Terry, her grandkids call her Nani. Mm -hmm. She tried to go with Nona and the oldest Kaylee screwed it up. So now she's just Nani to everybody. Yeah, um, and even my kids who are close with her grandkids um, call her Nani. I'm like, well, you do know that she's not your Nani and, and she, her name is Terry, but shout out to Terry up in Maryland. Uh, she's the oldest on the side of the family. I'm the youngest. Oh, so cool. a really cool concept that her grandkids, mm-hmm. my first cousin's grandkids are actually friends with my kids oh, awesome. because of the 19 year age difference between she and I. Cool. All right, so here we are. Um, you're butting up on a uh, Zoom call here. So we have like five minutes left. Sure. Five minutes left. Um, let's talk about the MBA. Yes. Let's talk about like what what pushed you I think you you received your CMPS first, your Certified Mortgage Planning Specialist designation mm-hmm. first. I did. Is that still a thing? Can you yes. still you can? Yes, you you can. You okay. Can still go to the website and get the information. It's great. Um, it, uh, it, it's great mortgage planning uh, software that you can use, but also it's it's having the community of people to rely upon to just ask other questions, especially if you're dealing with with uh, financial planners. Really good stuff. 
really good stuff and, and, a, and a neat niche way for you to get into the industry and find a different referral partner through uh, financial planners. Okay, so CMPS, yep. um, and that's the designation that you achieved, Correct. was it probably 10 years ago, I yeah, guess, maybe 15. It's been a while. Yeah, it was really big about 15 years right. ago. Mm -hmm. uh, my business partner, Mike Smalley, I think went through the program as well. It's really good. And then you decided at some point you wanted to become a CMB. I did. And like me, you went through School of Mortgage Banking 1, 2, and 3, and I you did. achieved your AMP, which mm -hmm. is Accredited Mortgage Professional. Right. Um, what what was your driving factor or driving force sure. to want to to want to achieve your CMB? Well, I had gotten involved in the MBA. I kind of always was just kind of quietly for many many years, and then as I and the MBA for anyone new, mortgage it's Mortgage Bankers, Bankers Association. Yep. And most of your markets has a have a local chapter. And get involved in your local chapter. Yes, for sure, for yes. sure. But um, I had gotten involved a little bit more on the federal side of it than on the state side. It just kind of worked that way. I got to know a few people and I started going to advocacy um, every April, which is an amazing thing to do because you get to walk the hill, you get to speak with your representatives from your state um, and talk about the initiatives that are really important to you and the, and the clients you serve within your state. So go to that if you can, a everyone should. You get to see how laws are made and changed and how what an impact we can make by being involved in, in the uh, advocacy part of the Mortgage Bankers Association. And DC is super pretty in April. So it's great. It's very pretty. My favorite city. Um, mine too. So people are like, oh, I hate city. DC. No, I love it. One of my, I'm putting, so John Coleman talks, if I put it out there, mm -hmm. then it, it may happen. That's why I was talking yes. about, hey, I would love to interview Shayla Gifford because if I put it out there, it might happen. Yep. Um, I think my second half of my career or the tail end of my career, I want to advocate on, on behalf of our industry. Mm -hmm. I want to go work for the NBA. I oh, want to go yeah. live in DC. I want to go to work at 1919 M Street. I do too. You know, okay, cool. <laughs> then we'll see each other we'll see up each there. Other there. Yes, I figured the, the podcast has about a seven to nine year shelf life. In about seven to nine years, I'm going to be irrelevant. Or in eh, at some point, right? At some point, like I look at some of the people that I looked up to mm -hmm. as a mortgage professional getting started, and you probably looked up to, I find them to be irrelevant today. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not discounting that they weren't godfathers or of, of the industry, right. but at some point I'm like, hey, homie, hang it up. Like, yeah. why don't you go enjoy retirement? Like, do something else. Do something else. Do something else. Mm -hmm. um, it's time for some other people to kind of slide in and fill the void that you're going to leave, right. but let us, you know, take what you taught us and pass it along to the, to the next generation. For sure. um, but yeah, so I figured once that takes place, then maybe I can slide up to DC and I can advocate. You and I can maybe advocate on, on behalf. We'll, we'll, we'll work the hill together. Absolutely. All right. So so you got involved. Were you still living in Wisconsin or were you down in Florida when that happened? I was in Wisconsin. Okay. So getting involved. Okay. Mm -hmm. So so you you got involved in Wisconsin and then, in the MBA. Yeah, right. And within the MBA, and then I learned about you know more of the education that MBA offers, and I liked the idea. I, I looked up the CMB and thought. Oh, that's the highest designation mm -hmm. we can get. That's like having a master's of mortgage. I'm like, I want it. It's so, prestigious. Yes, it's elite. It is. Yes. It is. And the people that I've met along the way, and you certainly can, you know, attest to that as well. It's it's good for your career. I mean, it's been very good for my career. Now I haven't. I'm still with my same company. You know, all is great. I'm still doing the same job, but it gives you a level of confidence that you wouldn't otherwise have. Um, because it's the, the people that you meet along the way are phenomenal. There are some, we have some incredible people in our industry and we make an enormous impact with what we do in the United States with what the financial well being of our country. Well, correct. We make an impact. Yeah. Housing makes up like 25% yes. of our, yes. of our economy. So you like, should know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> yes. You, you, it's not a job people. It's a career. It's a career. And that if it's a career, you need to be an advocate. You need yes. to be involved in your trade organization. This mm -hmm. is really any industry. I mean, my buddy, Charlie, the dentist is, is involved right. in his particular industry. He mm -hmm. sits on boards. He attends conferences. Mm -hmm. Same thing from my buddy, Steve, who's a chartered financial analyst. Like Steve is the, the head of the, um, what's chartered a CFA of Orlando wow. society, mm -hmm. right? Like, He's involved because he understands that, you know, his voice needs to be heard in order to push things along properly. Our voices, mortgage professionals need to be heard. Mm -hmm. We need to advocate. We need to be involved in our political action committees because our Congress people and our senators, they don't know mortgage. They don't know it. No, they and they can't. They no, can't. it's not. That's not their gig. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to create laws that impact the mortgage industry or the housing, they should hear from people like us. Right. Uh, you, I'm assuming, getting uh, obtaining your CMB helped you say, hey, look, now when I advocate, mm -hmm. I understand the full gambit Absolutely. of this industry. Because you and I are similar. Like, I was once an awesome loan officer. Then I was a good branch manager. Then I was a really good regional. But that's only one silo of six. Right. 
And if I ever wanted to run a mortgage company, which ultimately, like when people said, well, why'd you get your CMB? It was, well, I was being floated opportunities to potentially be a CEO of a mortgage company. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I couldn't hold the right conversations in, in certain boardrooms because I didn't have the right experience. Right. Now, I wasn't gonna rewind my career 10 years and go start a mortgage company so I could learn all that from the ground floor up, mm -hmm. right? I'd kind of got to point in my career, I'm like, I'm, I don't have that energy any longer. <laughs> but what I could do is I could suck it up, I could try to become elite, go through a two-year program, become mm -hmm. a CMB, which as you said, is like a master's program it for is. a mortgage professional, at which point now put me in any boardroom, right? any boardroom, and I feel like I can hold my own and I understand what compliance is talking about, what secondary is talking about, what servicing is talking about. And you did the same thing. I um, and I think a lot of that, which came first, your passion for adv adv advocacy mm -hmm. or you obtaining your CMB? Advocacy first. So your passion for advocacy drove you to become a CMB because Correct. you can advocate better with the more knowledge. Absolutely. So let's talk about the advocacy because mm -hmm. you were uh, on the board of MORPAC or? Yep, I was on the committee. The committee. Mm -hmm. What does MORPAC stand for for anyone who doesn't know? Uh, that is the Mortgage Political Action Committee. Okay. And how much does it cost to join MORPAC? Nothing. Zero dollars. Okay. It's it's my favorite cost. It's free. Right. Okay. So if you're in the mortgage industry, if you're thinking about joining the mortgage industry, mm -hmm. please join MORPAC. Yep. MORPAC and the Mortgage Action Alliance. MA. So MA. Yep. So in the Mortgage Action Alliance, that is the grassroots effort to just get information out to all mortgage professionals. You can get it on your app. So you can go to your, your app store and put in MA or Mortgage Action Alliance or MAA. And you can download that app for free. You will then get alerts of anything that, one, you should know about within your state. Um, so you can immediately from that app make a, a note to your representative of how you feel about that particular comment or bill that's coming up. So it gives you immediate access from your phone to your representative in your state. I mean, that's phenomenal. Then you have MORPAC, which is a polit political action committee. Again, you do not have to you know, pay anything. However, um, contributions are what, ha what makes it the world go round. Yes. So definitely get involved. Give what you can give. The mortgage industry has given to you give back to the mortgage industry and make sure that you're our, we have a seat at the table. So important that we have that well, seat at and, the table. And that's what's important. When you're looking at the, the number of senators, mm -hmm. right? The number of House of Representatives, I think it's 435 in the House. Yeah. I think it's 50 in, or 100 in the Senate. Right. And um, we, as the industry, we need to donate to their campaigns. We need to make sure that the people who are mortgage friendly are being elected. Yes. And and we also need to have access to those people when they're trying to pass certain legislation that may not be good for the consumer. It's mm -hmm. us, uh, on us to protect the consumer. Right. And we need money to do so. Absolutely. Right. So if, if you're appreciative of Yvette taking the time out of her day, right, like just just figure out a normal comp plan times $120 million in volume. Okay. Think about what her hourly is worth. And she just came and spent an hour with us for free, not paying her to do so. No. Um, and if you ever want to say thank you for that, on behalf of Yvette, get involved, get involved, but donate, whether it's $5 or $25, right. a great way of saying thank you is go to MORPAC, M-O-R-P-A-C, Mortgage okay. Political Action Committee, mm -hmm. and donate, donate yes. some money, leave a little note, say, thanks Yvette for being on <laughs> TLOP. I so appreciated your event. I'm involved now. Yes. And then download the MA app, M-A-A, Mortgage Action Alliance. Alliance. Mm -hmm. And that way you can be in the know for yes. not just what's going on nationally, but also in your state. I did this, it's the easiest thing to do. I did it um, March of 2020. Mm -hmm. If you remember the world was coming to an end, yeah. COVID was, was, was at its peak. And we had a lot of nasty stuff going on in the mortgage industry. Yes, we did. Margin calls and the purchasing of way too many MBSs. And it just, there was legislation coming down the pipe that was gonna be even worse. And we all collectively, as a group of professionals from Spokane to Key West and everywhere in between, mm -hmm. we united. Yeah, we did. Took me 15 minutes. I did it from the makeshift office that we put together in my guest bedroom, right? Because my son was in the office, my daughter was in the loft, and I was in the guest bedroom. My wife was in the kitchen. That that was that stories. was March of 2020. Yeah. And I was able to email Senator Rick Scott, Senator Senator Marco Rubio, and Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy in a matter of 12 minutes, right. like 12 minutes. And the only down, the only, the only backlash 
is I now get emails. Yes, you will. Every single week <laughs> from Stephanie Murphy, Marco Rubio, and and um, uh, Rick Scott. But it's but, pretty impressive when they reach out to you because you've met them and you've reached out to them and they ask a question on how it's impacting your local community and that we that your answer makes an impact. That's amazing. Well, and, and, and that's what you gain from yes. going to, going to um, uh, D.C. in right. April for the... Um, for advocacy. For, for yeah. advocacy, right? Yeah. It's a really cool event. That was probably one of the best compliments I received. I just finished my CMB orals, which again, the CMB, it's like, it's like you have a written exam that's four hours. And then if you pass that, which not everyone passes it first time, but if you pass that, you're then allowed, quote unquote, to then go do an hour long oral exam in front of a, in front of a panel of three other CMBs. Right. And the best compliment I've probably received in the past five years is they said to me, and it's, I say best because it, it resonates with what I, who I want to be. They're like, we are so happy that we have you sitting next to Marco Rubio on a plane, and it's gonna be you that has an opportunity to tell Marco what's up with the mortgage yeah. industry. And I was like, wow, that was powerful. Those two years of studying were, were, were definitely worth it. It's, it's a powerful thing to do. I think that was definitely one of the highest uh, honors of my, seriously, of my career was, was that moment of passing that oral exam. Yes, but you didn't have to go graduate missing your front tooth. Oh no, no, I didn't, I had all yeah. my teeth. Yeah, that was, a, that, that was a whole separate episode. We talked about that already. That was me. That's funny. Yeah, three weeks. So actually, I didn't get to graduate on time because of COVID. So then I graduated a year late. Then I'm like dressed in my best suit. I tell people it's $3,000 suit and a $3 smile. Oh, no. Christy Ferco, the main stage. And there's me smiling like, mm, oh, yes. That's awful. That's but, but you still got it. Hey, that's okay. I persevered. I got through. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you this. Last yes. question. Yes. Everything you should have learned in high school but didn't. What is one thing that you wish was taught at the high school level that you as a parent made sure Mm -hmm. that because it's not, and maybe like in my case, it wasn't even talked about at the dinner table. Mm -hmm. So I make sure that my children have heard this. I mean, they probably tuned me out, but they've heard it. And I make sure anyone who's willing to listen hears it. What was something that you're maybe passionate about that you wish was taught at that level? Credit card economics. Credit card economics. Mm -hmm. In 30 seconds or less, what does that mean to you? That means to me that if you are going to buy that Best Buy laptop on credit that looks like it's free financing and that after your, your nine months of no payments that you allow it to go into, uh, into repayment for you for you know 36 easy payments of 30 bucks a piece, that laptop by the time you're done paying for it, now at this stage you're in four and a half years into it, is broken. You probably lost it somewhere and you're still making payments on it. This is a bad idea, and we see it every single day. And any loan officer can can look at a credit report and say, "Oh Lord, what did you buy a Best Buy laptop years ago that it, now now they stopped paying for it?" And how and the the pain of what that credit that buying that uh, laptop on credit will do for you. Save up for your laptops. Yes, <laughs> uh, there, no, but that's I mean, save up for laptops, save up for Ann Taylor, yes. save up yes. for your Anything. furniture. Fill in the blank. Yeah, fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yvette, thank you so much. If people wanted to find you, yes. how do you like to be found? What's your, your, your preferred method of contact information that sure. we could share? They can go to my website and, um, and, and just email me right from there at okay. just yvetteclaremont.com or myteamclaremont.com. And Claremont is spelled? C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T. Perfect. Yvette, thank you so much. She is a mega producer with Thank Atlanta you. Mortgage. Yes. Shout out to Atlanta. You. you have a gem, which they already know that. I don't need to tell them that. <laughs> but you have an amazing person, amazing professional. I appreciate getting to know you over the past two years. I look forward to knowing you for the next 20 years. I look forward to advocating with you yes. as well. Absolutely. But this is all the time we have for today. So she's a vet Claremont. I'm Dustin Owen. We will catch you on the next episode. Thank you.